Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. And most importantly, hello from Spa. Yes guys, we are in Spa, the great Spa Francorchamps. We are actually in the paddock in the mornings and we end up recording in the evenings and I just feel so much at home in the paddock. You know Kunal I've been seeing this uh, spa for him and spa for her meme. I think some of our listeners also must have seen that meme. And it's always been so annoying to see that because you know for me even though I'm a her, spa has always been the spa Francorchamps, you know. So I find it uh, to be a very sexist meme. The the summer break is over because that's what spa sort of signifies that if you're at spa for the Belgian Grand Prix it's the end of the summer break officially. But actually, there are no official news on the driver movements. Yeah, but you know what? Let's do a recap. Who's going where? And uh, let's tell our listeners what we know. So we know that Mercedes is taking their time to select between Bottas and Ocon. Well, the first half of the summer break indicated that Bottas was on his way out and Esteban Ocon was on his way in. But then the second part of the summer indicated that Ocon was on his way out. So it's all a bit. not decided yet seemingly so yeah and ocon could be on his way to renault which then means that nico hulkenberg needs to do his work of finding a racing seat and that's where the rumors of hulkenberg moving to haas have come up yes but guys remember the only official move being announced just yet is the swap between pierre gasly and alexander albon and nothing else is official yes and but worry not because we're in spa we're in the paddock and we will bring to you all the news views and analysis because we will be attending the media sessions of all the teams and drivers from the weekend so you guys are in for a treat so guys remember please check out our facebook page uh, the inside line formula 1 podcast uh, official facebook page for all the latest updates we're going to be there at spa and you can check my twitter account it's at the rate kunal asha i will be posting regular updates out there as well great so in this week's episode as always guys we have so much to talk about We wonder what the reasons could have been for Fernando Alonso to reject Pierre Gasly's seat at Red Bull. What the hell was going on? Yes, I know our headline is a bit sensational, but that's just as sensational as the news of Fernando Alonso rejecting Red Bull Racing. So we said, what the hell? Why not? But we also end up discussing if Ferrari are actually running out of options to win a race. this season lots of race venues have actually extended contracts with formula 1 guys we could be looking at 22 races in 2020 and which hollywood a lister actor or actress is going to be the first to own a high profile formula 1 team in the us because that's what chase carry wants uh, guys also remember to subscribe to us on itunes audio boom google podcast spotify and all other audio streaming platforms for your weekly dose of formula 1 humor Awesome. So the other news during the summer break that came up on my radar was Red Bull Racing reaching out to Fernando Alonso for Gasly's seat. 
first things first, by Alonso's math, this would have been what? Red Bull Racing's 194th approach to him to join their team. <laughs> or maybe more by his math. <laughs> but, but you know, leaving the math aside, I really wonder why Fernando Alonso would say no. Now, of course, for once, let's assume that Honda was okay with getting Alonso on board and that Red Bull Racing did actually approach Fernando Alonso. And by Red Bull Racing, of course, we mean uh, Helmut Marco or Christian Horner, not just like an engine or a mechanic or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So why would Fernando Alonso, who's been, you know, wanting to say, I want a car that can win races and hopefully, you know, challenge for championships and I want to be with a top team. He has been saying that, especially... Uh, you know, with regards to his comeback to Formula 1 in 2020. So just why on earth would Fernando Alonso refuse a drive with Red Bull Racing? Now, I can think of a few reasons. The first possible reason is that Fernando Alonso would have asked Red Bull Racing to make him the priority driver, which understandably they would have refused. And maybe Red Bull Racing's offer to Alonso was actually the opposite, you know, to be the seasoned veteran who would score points on a consistent basis, basically play wingman to Max Verstappen and then try and beat Ferrari in like the second place in the Constructors' Championship. Or is Fernando Alonso afraid of a face-off with Verstappen and that to win a Red Bull racing car? That's what, you know, I was thinking Kunal. Because I mean, Verstappen is in the form of his life. So why would Alonso risk taking him on and just risk his most complete driver on the grid reputation? Well, there's actually a good chance that we could be end up missing out on seeing the two of the most complete drivers of this generation go head-to-head in equal machinery because both of them have been making claims to being the most complete <laughs> drivers on the grid. Yeah, the, I think the other reason that I can think of is that Alonso would have been uh, uh, refused um, for Kimoa branding on the Red Bull racing car and I don't <laughs> think that would have gone down very well. Or maybe Fernando Alonso was afraid that if he didn't live up to... Helmut Marko's expectations and, you know, sort of get performances going, he could be demoted to Toro Rosso mid-2020. Ouch! (laughs) (laughs) By the way, talking of demotions, uh, what if Red Bull Racing's offer to Alonso was only for the remaining nine races of the year? Uh, Basically, a short-duration contract. You know, for Alonso to prove himself worthy uh, of Red Bull Racing uh, the seat before seeking a longer-term contract. Now, if that actually was that, then this time it is Red Bull Racing trolling Alonso back. Because up (laughs) until now, it's been Fernando Alonso literally trolling Red Bull Racing, at least with the news that I've been following. But anyway, all in all, it's a great loss for Fernando Alonso and for Formula One. Not so much so for Red Bull Racing. But Kunal, could Spa actually offer Ferrari, uh, Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc the best opportunity to finally score a race win in 2019? That's a good question. In fact, you know, Spa and Monza, everyone's just been talking so much and playing up Ferrari's chances for these two races. You know, and everyone being being that Toto Wolff is actually leading that pack of so-called everyone (laughs) group. Sometimes I just end up feeling that Toto Wolff believes in Ferrari's success more than Ferrari themselves do. <laughs> that I is guess. true. <laughs> but it would be something to see Charles Leclerc finally score his maiden win in Formula 1. Yes, we know he's come agonizingly close twice this season already. Bahrain where he had car troubles and Austria when he got Max Verstappen. I would love to see a Leclerc victory, really. And Sebastian Vettel, he's won the Belgian Grand Prix three times in the last eight years. Uh, so that's a pretty good record. 
But guys, you'll hear more about the historic memories uh, associated with the Belgian Grand Prix in Lucien's Moments in Time section in a few minutes. Stay tuned for that. So, Gerhard Berger believes that Vettel isn't getting enough from Ferrari and I really wonder what he means by the word enough. Because, yes, his statements may hold true for 2019, but I would debate otherwise for 2017 and 2018. In fact, Kunal, it feels like I've had enough because we've been discussing the same damn thing for the past three seasons, again and again and again and again. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I have something more interesting to ask you about Sebastian Vettel. Why the hell is he not on the official Formula One podcast yet? <laughs> well, let me guess. We need to first ask Sebastian Vettel if he actually knows what a podcast is. Because there's a good chance he has a transistor at home and he tunes into some weird frequency to hear some music and people talk. <laughs> Given his old school ways, I will not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, but you know what? He does sing well on the radio. Uh, <laughs> though Vettel's blue flag song has not been playing on the radio for a long time, so I miss that. But you know what? I propose a Vettel versus Carlos Sainz uh, face-off competition, call it what you may, for uh, Pitukar radio singing. <laughs> Smooth operator, yes, yeah. yes. Well, there's a good chance that Sebastian Vettel, you know, has not made an appearance on the official podcast because he's probably received like a five-episode penalty or something. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's typical Kunal humour for you and uh, yeah. Anyway, since we've mentioned Carlos Sainz, I must say that his drives have been really impressive. And I hope that he's one of the reasons why Barcelona extended their Formula 1 contract by a year. Yes, we're going to have the Spanish Grand Prix next year as well. I have such strong memories from our race visit last year. It was so lovely to go back in the paddock and we met a lot of drivers, right? Yeah, we had so many drivers make an appearance on our show actually. Romain Grosjean, Kevin Magnussen, Charles Leclerc, Marcus Ericsson. Remember him, guys? Anyway, y'all can listen to those podcasts again if y'all want to. Y'all know where to find them. I'm going to just interrupt about Marcus Ericsson because right Who's now... That? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so right now, of course, after Formula 1, he's been racing in IndyCar and if everything goes well uh, for him, he could end up being a McLaren driver in IndyCar. Okay, so that's where it stands right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the rate at which Formula 1's renewing race hosting contracts, I think we're looking at 22 races next season because along with Spain Mexico was confirmed a few days ago as well and that too till 2022 but I wonder if the mayor of Interlagos will be the reason where and why we could have 23 races soon enough on the Formula 1 calendar he said that he won't let Formula 1 leave Interlagos and go off to Rio <laughs> I wonder if that was his election promise Kunal I would certainly <laughs> vote for him and I also hope that Germany comes through with a confirmation uh, because I think that's possibly one of the only races from the current calendar to drop off, Yes, unfortunately. Yes, especially after this year's German Grand Prix, we'd love to see it back. Yeah. By the way, the United States Grand Prix has actually seen an increase in ticket sales and this is thanks to the impact of the Netflix show. Can you believe it? Finally, there is some actual influence of the Netflix show on Formula One's businesses. I mean, apart from the intense social media engagement and attention that the sport has, of course, got this season. Also, we are getting increasingly close to Formula One announcing new rules and regulations for 2021. They've set a release date for some day in October, so it's just about a month from now. I hear the teams will perform a dry run in 2020. Uh, I think that pertains to cost control and budgets. Uh, I really hope that we don't hear stories of team personnel, you know, fearing a job loss though. That could be really sad. 
Yes, and Chase Carey recently said that Formula One will explore using green fields, green fuels in the near future. I mean, basically, Formula One will do everything to appear environmentally friendly as possible, but won't actually be environmentally friendly. I mean, look at our annual calendar. We can definitely plan it better and more efficiently so that there are lesser of these long haul flights. Like, you know, for example, we race in Monaco and then I think we head off to Canada and, you know, in the middle of the calendar. And then we suddenly come back to Europe and return with the British Grand Prix and so on. Yeah, and likewise for what? Australia, China, Singapore, Japan, Bahrain, and now Vietnam, of course. Kunal, I'm sure that there is a huge opportunity to build in efficiencies in the Asian races. It doesn't seem like anyone's been thinking about this, though. Yes, and Chase Carey also said that the new rules are expected to attract new teams to Formula 1. And he, of course, said that he wants a high-profile US high-profile team from the United States of America. So my question is, how soon before a Hollywood A-lister buys a Formula 1 team? Yeah, as long as they're just owners, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio in Formula E. Uh, we know that Tom Cruise has, in fact, driven a Red Bull racing car at some point. Yes, that's why you said as long as they're just owners and they just don't end up driving yeah. those cars themselves. And not to mention Will Smith's madness about the sport. In yes. fact, you know what, Kunal, we should add own a Formula 1 team to uh, Will Smith's bucket list <laughs> because then the chances suddenly go ooh, way up. Yes, I, I just remembered of all the drama and the content that Will Smith generated at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last year. And uh, talking of famous team owner Jackie Chan, the famous... I can call him a Hollywood actor, right? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he owns a team uh, that races in the World Endurance Championship. So it should be interesting to see how the... High, how and where the high-profile American team comes out from. Yeah, by the way, back to your question. So how soon do you think it could actually be before an A-lister purchases a Formula 1 team? Okay, wait, I think I just thought of an A-plus lister who could actually end up buying a Formula 1 team. Ooh. So we all know that Donald Trump wants to buy Greenland. That's all over social media. I know it's damn funny. And he's always up to buying some things or the other. And maybe Chase Carey should go and sell him a Formula 1 team. And no toy, uh, no price for guessing who his choice for team principal could be. <laughs> <laughs> and then Formula 1 will finally have an American team which he will fill with real American drivers. Woo-hoo. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> the long-lost dream of Formula 1 actually coming true via this route. Route, right? Because that's yeah. what the Americans yeah. would say. Yeah. <laughs> But of course, talking of new teams, uh, a new team could actually be added. It's going to be called Panthera Team Asia or something like that. So let's actually see what becomes of them. Okay, so Kunal, now back to Spa. Yes, Spa is my most favorite circuit. You know, Eau Rouge, Radillon, some really fascinating corners. I mean, I honestly miss the old bus stop chicane as well. You know what, Kunal, you say most favourite even for Suzuka, so now I'm having some serious doubts. Well, okay, so I will split my classification. Most favourite circuit in Europe and most favourite circuit in Asia. So, sort of... convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, uh, guys, we were at Spa last year uh, for the race. It was really exciting. In fact, we also visited the old circuit and uh, we stopped by the notorious Master Kink. Uh, It's supposed to be or set to be the most difficult corner in the world by none other than Sir Jackie Stewart. So it was a great time for us. Yes, so when I asked Mithila to keep one on-track memory to speak about on the podcast, I think this is what she's come up with. (laughs) My most, I think my my on-track memory is 
probably the most general on track memory about uh, you know the Belgian Grand Prix the Spa Francorchamps at the end or in the middle of the Camel Straight we all remember Mika Hakkinen's overtake on Michael Schumacher with Ricardo Zonta you know in the middle i mean i think ricardo zonta would be a happy man even right now because formula 1 fans remember him only thanks to that move right well but said. <laughs> <laughs> but more on the history and memories from the belgian grand prix over the years with lucian's moments in time here it goes Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today we shall look back on the history of the Belgian Grand Prix. The Belgian Grand Prix has predominantly been held at Spa-Francorchamps, although in various layouts and lengths. Other tracks, notably Zolder, which would feature rather infamously for the death of Gilles Villeneuve in 82, hosted the race 10 times. There have been 25 drivers from Belgium to race in Formula 1. But Thierry Boutsen and Jackie X are the most notable and memorable to have participated. X might just be more famous for waving the flag at the 1984 Monaco Grand Prix rather than for his playboy looks and stellar GP career netting 8 wins in an era where a few wins was a good career haul. One famous name, Lucien Bianchi, was to score one podium in his Formula 1 career. And yes, that name is familiar, isn't it? <laughs> for more than one reason. as Jules Bianchi was his grandnephew. If you want to see some fantastic footage of days gone by, check out the movie Grand Prix from 1966 starring James Garner. The movie is a classic featuring real drivers, tracks and teams of the day. One of the races captured is Belgium and the producers reenacted the kind of accident Jackie Stewart would have in the real race, resulting in him being stuck in a car for nearly half an hour with the risk of fire so common in those days. Spa has been referred to as Michael Schumacher's living room due to the success and the historic significance of his first drive in 91, the first win in 92, his six wins, and of course that title win being sewn up in 2004. But he also surpassed Alain Prost's tally of 51 wins by winning for the 52nd time in 2001. Shuey also celebrated his 300th race in 2012 at Spa. But let us not forget 1998. where he rear-ended Coulthard and stormed down the pits in a rage to throttle DC. For those of us who love a good smash-up, look no further than 1998, 2012 and last year. 98 saw the mother and father of all first lap crashes, basically taking out half of the field, thanks to David Coulthard spinning in the spray. Ironically, he would restart and create more history, as mentioned before. 2012 was the start line crash that could have killed Fernando Alonso, where Romain Grosjean got the full blame for a start line crash. Although I have always maintained that Hamilton could have slightly lifted, as you also have a right to avoid contact too, rather than just have an accident and blame somebody else. Last year, the first year of the halo, saw Fernando Alonso involved again. This time, rear-ended by Hulkenberg, sending Nando on top of Charles Leclerc. With tire marks on the halo, it was widely considered that the halo saved young Charles' life. But there have been many crashes over the years where helmets were scraped, cracked, or broken. Just ask PK, Adelaide '89, or Warwick, Monza '90. That's it for moments in time on the Inside Line with Lucian Byfield. Catch you next time. Thank you so much for that, Lucian. Very interesting as always. And thank you for your lovely tunes that open and close the podcast, and you know also play in the background. You, you're an awesome musician, Lucian. <laughs> sure. Guys, you can listen to his music on Bandcamp. So, Kunal, predictions. Do you think Ferrari can win at Spa? So, Ferrari are bringing a new spec engine to Spa. They're adding some 20 odd horsepower or more, something in that range. 
and i believe personally ferrari's form is weather dependent given their issues with you know getting the tires to work so if the weather is warmer and i mean it is warm where we are staying in aachen in germany it's really warm so if the weather remains warm i think ferrari have a chance if not this should pretty much be a race for the mercedes cars to dominate but i think ferrari are running out of options to win a race this season and at least at the time of recording this episode the weather radar shows light rains for sunday i honestly hope that remains because guys we know that just a few drops of water can suddenly bring races alive and kunal you know what i am going to predict a mercedes victory i think purely because there are lesser chances to get such a prediction wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's like the road most traveled yeah, in i hate being wrong <laughs> All right, final point on Mercedes. Nikki Lauda's greatness and recognition reached new heights in India. His name appeared as one of the questions on the Indian version of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or the Kaun Banega Karodpati show. I was pretty pleased to see that. Very exciting. Anyway, guys, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this episode. But please remember to follow us on Facebook for all our personal updates from Spa. And guys, we'll see you in a few days. Till then, keep racing. Adios. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.